Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your humble host, Amrit Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid. Subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired Keep evolving. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. And it's a real treat. I've got someone here with me today that's been inspiring my evolution for quite some time now. Thank you so much for being here, Christina Mandlakiane. Thank you for doing this, sister. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, it's not the first time, but still that, that beginning takes me a little bit by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it still keeps you on your toes because you yes, do know that it's coming. You've done this a couple of times. For those that are tuning in, do check out. I'll link the uh, previous episodes that we've had. We've had some really deep conversations on self-acceptance, the tools to happiness, Christina is a wealth of wisdom, as you would expect from someone, I'll just do the honors, that co-founded Valley, a global school that delivers transformational education for all ages. She identifies as a serial entrepreneur, as a speaker, a mother, a philanthropist. She's a woman definitely on her own journey of her own spiritual development and growth. But, but most affectionately, she is an everyday life philosopher. Sister Bear, thank you so much for being here. Welcome again. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, and yeah, I'm I'm, I'm glad you mentioned everyday life philosopher. That's I, I think my favorite, favorite title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've tuned into that and I know I know that's kind of the, that, that seems like Christina, that's <laughs> really what, you, what you're doing. And so, you know, there's so many, um, it was really intriguing to, to have you back here today because there's so much ground that we covered last time around self-acceptance and, 
you know, I was really, really di- diving deeper into, I guess there's that, 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 I'm trying to mince my words, but the reality is struggling a little bit with what I listened to a podcast recently between Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson, and they were talking about this is ought conundrum. And those are two mm-hmm. very philosophical people. Um, but the is ought conundrum being kind of, you know, what you refer to is, can I accept myself like acceptance to a level versus still the need to like, you know, personal development, self-improvement, there's a desire to change, right? And that sort of rub between acceptance and change, I still find like there's that kind of like, how do I land between these two things? Like, do I completely accept myself? But if I completely accept myself, <laughs> some part of the energy feels like there's there's an inertia to it. There's a, there's a stagnation, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But then it's like, yeah, oh, I, get, I get where you're taking it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you? You know, I would like to ask why why do you want to actually uh, put acceptance and evolution or development or growth on the opposite ends of the spectrum? But don't, don't they feel like that? Yeah, tell me why they're well, not. <laughs> I know, it's, but, but a lot of the things that we take for granted are actually an illusion. In fact, the whole world is an illusion, but I don't want to go into that uh, discussion. Uh, the thing is that, um, let me give you an, an, an analogy. Because I like analogies. You see, uh, I have children. Uh, <laughs> one smaller, the other one a little bit bigger. Mm. And they have their, their, their cuteness and their, their flaws occasionally mm. and, <laughs> and things. I accept them as they are. Uh, I love them as they are. I don't want to change anything about them. But of course, being by the nature, since they're children, they're going to grow and learn and, and evolve and become something else. So it's the same with, with yourself. Um, accepting yourself is not uh, is not um, the opposite of wanting to change mm. you accept yourself as you are and that is uh, in my opinion it's the opposite it's the prerequisite for change mm. because a, a lot of the times what we do with growth or with motivating yourself for growth is that we don't accept the current version so they think that you know there's this uh, there's, there's this picture of perfection Mm-hmm. This perfect version of me, and that is my goal. And everything which is less than, uh, well, in the good case scenario, we're aware of that, we're just not happy with that. But most often, we close our eyes or, or dig our uh, head in the sand to uh, ignore the fact that we are not perfect, that we are less than that picture of perfection that we have in our heads. So, I think acceptance, self acceptance, is not the impediment to growth. It's a prerequisite for growth. It's much easier to grow if you're at peace with what you have right now. Back to children, you know, my son, for example, he has Asperger's. It's something which we can't change. It makes him see the world differently. Mm. Would I like to change that? No. So only when I accept him, and before we knew the diagnosis, it was really hard for me because I I had an idea in my head how Hayden is supposed to be, how any child is supposed to be. You know, they're the supposed ought. to be this Yeah, how he that. ought to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there is what he is. And yeah. I was struggling with the fact that I didn't understand him. I didn't understand mm. why he did certain things until we found out that he has this, uh, this condition, Asperger's, uh, highly functional, so it's very hard to notice. Mm. But it makes him see the world in a different way than the rest of us. Once I understood that, you know, I, start, I stopped fighting the things which are irrelevant. I started accepting and loving him. It was so much easier to love and accept my child when I knew what was going on with him. Mm. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't grow or evolve. He does. He's a super smart kid. 
Mm. But he grows not from uh, not from dislike of what we have right now, but from acceptance and, and like full acceptance of what we have. Yeah, yeah, I'm loving that because what it's really hearkening home to me is this. Yeah, the the prerequisite versus like kind of tip, tipping it on the opposite end of the scale, I think is a really beautiful way that you've you've articulated and it really helps me reconcile it because oftentimes I find uh, from a place of lack of self-acceptance or even not even just self-acceptance, but acceptance of our situation in life, you know, it may not be my own behavior, it may just be my situation, um, you know, and then sometimes we try and create things from wanting you know it's like oh there's like an empty void in me and i'd like to create something and as a coach it's been pretty interesting these days when people say oh you know they're trying to manifest something let's say you know um and they're like i want i want i want i want and i've started tuning into this and obviously um some of the work mind valley in uh, has has helped me a lot with that is um yeah is is the energy of like the frequency of it's already here yeah, just relax, <laughs> tune into the frequency of what's already here. So when I hear people saying, oh, yeah, I want, I want, I want, and it's like that's the frequency you're putting out, yeah, you're going to you're gonna be left wanting, you're going to want more wanting. So people say want and all I hear is lack thereof. Mm. And to sort of use that as sort of a point to say, yeah, I hear when we're, when we're in that place of not accepting our situation or ourselves and we're trying to create something from that place, are we getting closer to home from something that, you know, closer to fulfillment to something that we want to create, or are we actually leveraging ourselves out even further away from ourselves? If that makes sense. Cause I can sort of see that if we were to self accept and then accept our situations and build something from that place and continue to grow as a prerequisite step one, you actually create something that's a lot more centered, a lot more aligned to your values and actually is something that's really meaningful to you. If we don't go through that self acceptance as a kind of like a prerequisite first step, we're probably kind of out somewhere already and then we're venturing even further out and off into a different direction. Am I summarising it clearly? Yeah. Uh, I I've think, made it more complicated. I think yes. <laughs> no, I think yes. I think yes. Uh, I would probably, like my, my logic says that depending on whether you accept or, or not, the fuel for your action and for your achievements will be just very different. Uh, and uh, it may take you in a different direction. It may take you to the same direction, but if the fuel is different, uh, the outcome is going to be different. So again, um, and and you started with such a deep philosophical question. It's really hard to just jump into that uh, without <laughs> without certain level of um, of Context. trust. Uh, like if we take if that we take that analogy even further, can you accept the world if in its imperfection with uh, its uh, you know climate problems with uh, whatever had happened after the COVID and with the war, for example, in Europe mm -hmm. right now, accept it and still want to change it? Hmm. And that's a very hard thing to uh, that, that's a very hard thing to comprehend because uh, we often we often don't accept it and we want to change it out of not accepting and out of not accepting the energy the fuel is very different it's usually the fuel of anger of hatred of of um, you know being um, being unhappy if you accept the fuel may be very different the fuel may be caring maybe uh, you know love. Or, or desire to create something beautiful. So the fuel is different. And when the fuel is different, obviously the result is going to be different. And now again, since I love analogies and since I love to actually compare your relationship with self with our relationship with children, why I do that is because uh, naturally for most of us normal people, loving children is the easiest thing. 
It's very mm -hmm. natural and it comes, it, it's the closest we get to unconditional love. Mm -hmm. So if, if you have children or ch childlike figures, let's say a, a pet that you love or a mm -hmm. plant, whatever, mm -hmm. but someone that you love unconditionally, you can take this analogy there. But if you look at a child, you know, you have two children. One has parents, very traditional, uh, old fashioned parents who insist that you have to work hard. You have to work when other kids are playing and sleeping because, you know, achievement uh, goals are super important important it's not participation is not important winning is important you know mm. we have this kind of parents we've seen this kind of parents their children are incredibly uh, often very high achieving children but also very often unhappy mm. and broken and unfulfilled despite their high achievements and then there is another analogy of how children uh, grow and evolve they do things they look back, uh, back at mom and like mom have you seen did i do what i what i did did you just see me doing this and the mom you know uh, the loving mom would usually say yeah cool uh, i'm here i'm here for you it's this comfort of knowing that your your loving figure is always there for you no mm. matter what you're doing are you doing a silly thing are you doing a dangerous thing is that person there to catch you? And then if you make a mistake, a loving parent usually says that, yes, it's it's sad. And, you know, that's how you could do things or that's how we can do things in the future. But I still love you no matter what. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. These children often also grow up to achieve a lot of things, mm. but from a completely different energy. Different These space. are the children who are insanely successful very often, very creative because they have the courage. For a child to grow and develop, they need so much uh, support and unconditional love, knowing that no matter what they do, there is someone who will accept them. And then there is the other type of children who are so scared to fail because they know that if they fail, the, the you know, the, the love, the, 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 the figure who is supposed to love them gives them that love conditionally mm. you do well you get the love mm. so are you are you going to negotiate for your own love for yourself are you going to try to give it to yourself unconditionally and and trust me you you will evolve either way mm -hmm. hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's a couple of questions. I want to dive. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If we don't have the patterns and the, and the models, if we, if we haven't had that modeled to us already in our life by, let's say, parents that were aware of being able to establish that sort of pattern of behavior, um, do we just have to wait till we have children to be able to model that sort of behavior in our own life? <laughs> 
No, 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 no. That's I, I don't think we should deny personal growth to people who don't have children. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, I'm just lucky to have experienced that and it's easy for me to understand. But you also can uh, reflect uh, on your relationship with uh, your parent figure mm. and see what you would have loved to have mm -hmm. and how you would have loved to be loved. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that also works, I'm sure. Yeah. Or you could uh, use a pet or a plant, as I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a really... I think every person has someone that they love uh, dearly. It's, yeah. it's, it should be quite easy. Yeah, there's a really... If useful... you don't, by the way, if you don't have that example, someone that you love very closely to, to unconditionally, that's that's a bigger problem to solve than your personal mm. growth and transformation. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, relationships. So one of the, you mentioned practical examples and we went into the realm of children, which I think is a really um, palpable example and I really appreciate that. Um, I'd love to sort of hear your thoughts and this is hard for me to ask, but I'd love to, uh, uh, yeah, usually asking the uncomfortable questions is usually where we find the most gold. <laughs> um, you know, the acceptance and change and, you know, as a prerequisite for change, the more we understand you know, you gave the example of Hayden, which I was really grateful for. But how do you, how does someone like yourself, you know, you, you're an Estonian, um, you've got roots, you know, you grew up with, with within the Soviet Union. That was a big part of, you know, for those that have tuned into previous episodes, you know, a big part of your personal development journey was something that was inspired you so much because the Soviet Union was a bit more, uh, I don't want to say, you know, a bit less in, like encouraging of entrepreneurial spirits. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Right. Not a bit. <laughs> <laughs> illegal, and you would end up in jail for that. Right. And so, growing up with that, and then learning to sort of shed that, you know, moving to the states, then moving to Malaysia, establishing Mind Valley, going through this journey, kind of seeing what's going on in that part of the world. Now, there are so many different narratives that are being projected to people. Um, even just, you know, what local media in Russia is telling the locals versus what's being communicated to people outside of the world. And, you know, then there's the Ukrainian narrative and then potentially, you know, the US not stepping in to support those people. So many different perspectives on all of this. How does, how do we start to, and, you know, I find myself just challenged by just the fact that it's the 21st century and that, you know, mm. thousands upon thousands of people, innocent people are dying. And it's like, surely we've evolved beyond that. Or maybe I just spend too many people influenced by yourself in the right circles where it just feels like that is something that we're transcending and we're moving away from. But, you know, for someone like yourself, where it does speak to kind of your heritage a little bit, yeah. you know, like the places you've come from, you, much have, you must have a much more palpable direct relationship with this. And so how do you accept some of those challenging parts of the decisions of people that are just so hard to understand? Mm. Well, uh, yes, for the background, uh, I guess uh, Russia, the way it is today, is uh, somewhat uh, resembling a Soviet Union where I was born and grew up with, uh, in, although I, I did see Soviet Union in, the last, uh, in its last decade, so it was a different time. So I think what's going on right now in Russia is actually uh, more extreme and, and more akin mm. to what was going on in, uh, you know, after, let's say, during the times of World War II. I agree with you, this should not be happening in 21st century in Europe. Mm. But also for us, uh, uh, you 
you know, complacent, happy people uh, in uh, affluent countries, it is a reminder that the world is not a model of what uh, of what we experience. And uh, I think uh, in America that problem, uh, that situation, or that perception of the world as the backyard of U.S. is even is even more extreme to some degree because I've I've uh, I've lived uh, in in Asia I've lived in Europe and I've always found it a little bit amusing that um, uh, that U.S. sees the the whole world through the lens of uh, of the events that happen in U.S. and sometimes the events that happen in U.S. are irrelevant to the rest of the world and yet mm-hmm. you know American audience insists that we have to we have to uh, you know care and and of course we care but uh, but the world is very diverse and we sometimes mm-hmm. forget that we forget that not everybody lives like we do not everybody has our own values not everybody. Um, you know, not everybody has the same goals or wants to go in the same direction. And that is exactly what's happening. And I don't want to go into political discussion of what is going on there, because that would be very, like, we've spent a lot of time. Mm-hmm. But to to simplify the situation, that is exactly why the war is going on, because uh, Russia uh, has been cherishing traditional values for a long time. They are uh, actually very often using the word liberal values as an insult. So what we value in the West, in the Western countries, uh, a, a lot of equalities and, and unity of the of the humankind. They, uh, the, the, it's not so black and white in Russia. They actually think that there are more equal people and less equal people, and there are right ways of doing things and wrong ways of doing things. Versus Ukraine wanting to uh, go the European way and Russia not taking it. And I know there's this uh, word NATO, which often is creating a lot of uh, emotion, but actually that is irrelevant. It's more a pretext. The truth Mm. is that this is a war of values, the values which choose to be stuck in the past, the values which are very conservative, which are very patriarchal versus uh, versus a country wanting to to live like, let's say, like Europe does, like the rest Mm. of Europe does. Uh, So how can I accept that (laughs) philosophically? (laughs) <laughs> when we when when you can't change the world there are two ways to to look at the world you can either look at it philosophically or look at it with humor mm. and both things uh, both things work of course humor right now seems a little bit ill applied although there are situations where humor is uh, is helpful and and could be used and there's such a thing as dark humor but the, the past two months it's been mostly philosophically speaking mm. if you look at things philosophically it's much easier to accept also i've done a lot of interviews from with with, uh, people from Ukraine, with authors from Ukraine, actually, Uh, psychologists, psychotherapists who Mm. help to explain things uh, from uh, very simple, uh, you know, scientific processes. Why why do people, for example, believe in in propaganda or why do they refuse to accept facts which seem um, obvious to us? Uh, for example, in Russia, a lot of the footage which uh, is received from Ukraine is explained off as fakes and as, as not real. And why do sane, educated, smart people go for that? Uh, how do you change your views? Let's say if your whole world view, uh, world picture shatters, how? What is the process of going through that? It's not. It's not like you know. We are not robots. It's not like you've got new evidence and then you say like 
oh yes, I was wrong. Most people don't don't behave like that. Mm. For most people, giving up a certain belief is feels akin to giving up a piece of themselves. Mm. Feels like uh, you know um, betraying their past, betraying uh, part of their life. So Ego they death. resist. Mm. They resist. Uh, to accept the fact that they might have been mistaken. Hmm. And it's a natural it's a natural process that a lot of us do. And actually, uh, forget the war in Ukraine when the uh, COVID happened. There was a lot of that, no matter which side you you were on, but there was a lot of delusion. There was a lot of uh, denial. <laughs> and that is exactly what happens. It's, it's the part of the grieving process. You know, you first deny, then you start negotiating for, for your truth. Uh, then there's anger and rage, then there's depression. And only after that, the acceptance comes. And to some, it doesn't come. So if you look at it philosophically, if you look at, at the situation from the psychological, from the point of view of psychological processes, which we understand, which we have described, it is much easier to see people as they are, except one person. One person I can't accept. I mean, I accept his existence, but I'd like him to be tried for his crimes against humanity. And I'm talking about Putin, obviously. But mm -hmm. if I look at all the other people, yes, I do think that Russians are responsible for their leader. But I also see them as a collective they are. But if I take them as individual human beings, I can also see them as just human, going mm. through their human experience, going through their human processes. And these processes sometimes take time. And sometimes for some people, they don't take them. Uh, they, they don't take them to clarity, to, to unity, to love. They take them to, to maybe depression, to maybe uh, you know, more anger, to even even addictions. It's it's how is it going to be? We don't know. And mm. I feel sorry for, for, for everyone. I feel sorry for people who are being brutally and senselessly killed. And I feel sorry for people who actually support that brutality because they're lost. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. Thank you for sharing that. You mentioned in there um the process of denial and then something and then anger, depression, and then acceptance. Can you map that out for us again? Can you You know, I'm not a psychologist by education, <laughs> so I will butcher this process, but I was loosely uh, describing the process of uh, grieving. And yeah. if you probably, if you Google grieving process in psychology, you will get the full description of it. And as far as I understand, this process goes differently for different people. It takes different right. time. So most of the people, when they experience shocking, uh, extreme stress, uh, stressful situations, they go into shock and they, uh, they have the first, the first stage is usually, you know, disassociation from the reality. Mm -hmm. And then and then the process starts. For some people, it starts immediately. Other people uh, suffer. So they say that uh, the normal time frame for extreme stress is one month. If you are in extreme stress beyond one month, you're usually already uh, into the, uh, you know, post-traumatic syndrome uh, like zone but yeah. since i'm not a professional psychologist i wouldn't want to start giving you the the, the definitions uh there, there are uh, the grieving process is a cool place to start another yeah. another interesting phenomenon which i really love is the coping strategies or, or you know the coping mechanisms that we apply to uh, events which we don't um like mm. uh, a lot of things when reality doesn't match our perception of it we want to 
protect our uh, our own emotions, our psyche from from that reality. So we uh, come up with very inventive ways to deal with that, and that's called coping strategies or coping mechanisms or defense mechanisms. You can Google any of those terms. You'll find a lot of very interesting things that we do naturally without realizing. And so the denial uh, the denial actually was uh, part of that, but it's also in grieving process. There's also a denial, like you know when you when something happens um, and a loved one a loved one dies you can't accept that so for mm. a, for a while it seems that it, it is not real it has not happened that's yeah. that's a process of denial when the when the pandemic hit a lot of people me included actually i couldn't accept the fact that it was something this long and this mm. uh, you know hard i it, it took me a while to just breathe out and say okay okay let's let's go for this marathon so it happens uh it's just a natural thing. The question is, how long are you in this process? Yeah, yeah. The uh, the five stages being denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. I think it's really um, it's really intriguing because we're talking about you know acceptance is a big theme, and then you know learning that pre like a, a prerequisite for change is acceptance, but then recognizing that potentially in a process of grieving or even with um, coping mechanisms, denial is almost like a prerequisite to acceptance or like a stepping stone <laughs> to acceptance. And it's, you know, then you sort of extrapolate that out, denial, acceptance, change, and potentially even just looking in on what are we denying as potentially a room for us to grow in, right? Is that me describing shadow work then? Is that kind of what I'm coming kind of to? <laughs> I actually, uh, I, of course, I'm aware of shadow work, but uh, I, I don't, I don't study it, so I, yeah. I can't comment on, on whether shadow yeah. work is that. Yeah. Um, you know, um, in my book, uh, becoming foursome, I talk about actually. Um, figuring out the relationship with yourself and part of that relationship is the question of honesty mm -hmm. and um i think and it's such an interesting thing i think uh i'll probably uh, loosely and not very correctly quote uh, the Cheshire, cheshire cat from alice in wonderland by Lewis Carroll, <laughs> and he says we're all insane here <laughs> yeah <laughs> You wouldn't be here if you wouldn't be insane. That, he's, he, that, that cat says it to, to, to Alice. Mm. And uh, I think we are all delusional. We are mm -hmm. all delusional. Mm. Uh, and, um, and that's an interesting thing. So when I talk about honesty in my book, I start with lying. Mm. Uh, because if you understand the anatomy of lying, it's easier to see uh, to see where, where you lie to yourself. And it's easier mm. to see... Um, what what do you have to give up or accept to uh, to start being honest with yourself? I think that the path to uh, self love, self acceptance, to authenticity is through self, of honesty with yourself. Mm. And that's the thing which is super tricky because we have all we all have good intentions and we all believe that we are honest with ourselves, but that is not strictly speaking true. Uh, and uh, if we talk about lying, it, it, it is of course a, a slightly sensitive topic. So uh, let's let's cut off the lying to the world, which is the sensitive part, <laughs> and talk about lying to ourselves. <laughs> well, no, the two be. are very well closely related together. But nevertheless, yeah, let's let's let, yeah, let's work in the same let, space. Let's cut it off just, just for the sake of not engaging emotions which are Triggering. necessary. Yeah. Although we do lie to the world as well, by the way. Like yeah. if you think of uh, of civility or the social rules, uh, part of being civil or part of being social accept so socially acceptable is actually learning how to lie. Mm. 
Mm. You will ask, how are you doing? How do you feel today? It is very few people who would say, honestly, how they I'm having a really people. crap day in this. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm okay with those people, although I do, I, I personally also think they're a little bit weird. <laughs> if they go too much into detail. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind people saying, honestly, that, I, you know, it's not a good day, but, but going yeah. into detail is a little weird. Yeah. But then uh, a, a slightly less uh, triggering example, if somebody offers you a, f- uh, a food that they cooked or, or mm. shows them piece of art that they created and you don't like it too much mm. <laughs> you don't say it's it's garbage yeah you usually come up with something polite right it's lying actually mm. but as i said forget the lying to the world when we um talk about lying to ourselves if you know how our brain works you will actually be pretty pretty aware that your brain is like a personal matrix which creates an illusion to keep you content mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or an, a, a, less, a less creepy example is it's like an overbearing parent mm-hmm. whose only uh, goal is to keep you safe at mm-hmm. all costs mm-hmm. and keeping safe means creating the world the picture of the world that matches your reality it's one one part of it another part of it is of safety is uh, trying to be liked because you know our evolutionary need is to belong to a bigger group because if we didn't if we were uh, cast out of the bigger group we'd die Mm. so our brain creates so many interesting tricks to keep us content safe liked part of the group Mm. and uh, i don't want to go deep into that because it's 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 a long discussion but Mm. even the way our memory works you know all those uh biases that we are like google another interesting thing the the biases that we are uh, (laughs) we suffer from without even realizing Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah all the different cognitive biases and if you and if you yes cognitive biases and if you um if you study that, you will suddenly realize that uh, the world is a very elaborate picture that you have accepted as reality. Is mm. it really a reality? Is a second question. Yeah, I think that's the um, the yeah the wisdom of kind of growing up with Indian heritage, and they call the world Maya, and Maya is the illusion of the kind of world and I love that you know the Cheshire cat like are we all in like we're all insane so you know it's like we're all insane you you know sorry to interrupt but I think the more important question is what do you do with that realization Mm. because I don't want I don't want you to think that you know if everything is a lie that means that you know the values are still important right our values our our I don't know human rights if we talk about war right it's all still important that there are objective objective rules of the game obviously Mm -hmm. but why I'm talking about that is that there is one very important um conclusion that I think we should take out of this is that you may be mistaken Mm. and that's the most important thing no matter what you do there is always this one thing I might be mistaken so the fact that the world is an illusion that your brain lies to you is not to let you off the hook of honesty and values and and certain uh, rules of the game it's just to suggest that you might be mistaken at any point in time and it's human and so anybody else could be mistaken and it still makes them human except Mm -hmm. Putin (laughs) that guy is crazy and there's um 
yeah, I may be mistaken. There's a there's an element of no, there's a massive element of humility in that, right? Um, being open to accept that you know I may be mistaken, right? And there's that. That's also freedom. There's freedom in that. Because that allows you to actually see at your crumbling world and say, okay, I might have been mistaken. Mm-hmm. How can I adjust to this new world, to this new mm-hmm. reality? What can I do? How can I get the best out of it? Do you feel like, and this is potentially I'm asking you to project, but I probably should speak more from my <laughs> own experience because I'm sort of going to go into that masculine feminine sort of bias there. But as men, there's almost this compulsion to need to know things. It's like, I know, like I've got this, I know, you know, it's like a bit of a masculine, like we, you know, we so got this, you know. Um, and even just recognizing like this was probably a couple of years ago, just adopting the, I don't know. You know, and just how hard it was to acknowledge that just not knowing that, you know, like I may be mistaken, like I may not know, you know, and just the humility that that invoked to sort of not have the answer to something when, you know, especially when you start looking into, you know, like how much men are driven by potentially, you know, needing to find a mate and then, you know, competency hierarchies and all that sort of stuff, um, fundamentally needing to understand that, okay, like it's okay to not know and accept myself in my not knowing and, okay, I may be mistaken and softening into that. Um, yeah, I think it's the the, the humbling piece, um, like you said, is is actually quite freeing. But it it's interesting that dance with freedom because it, there's a there's a denial that I could be okay if I didn't know. You know, I remember that quite palpably until you start, you know, cajoling yourself to like, let's just see what happens if I just respond with, I don't know, to a few of the questions when I really don't know. Um, and then it's like, oh, actually, I didn't need to come up with an answer. That's great. Like, actually, I don't know anything. <laughs> and then you're right. Then it starts to become freeing. Um yeah. I think I think uh, wanting to control and, and I have this masculine in me as well. I remember mm. when I went to deliver my first child, my midwife was entertained. She's like, <laughs> was entertained. She was, you've read all the books about delivery. I'm like, yes, because I don't know what I'm going into. It feels it gives mm. you the feel, the sense of, you know, if you know what's going to happen, that you have some kind of control and that that helps you to cope with with fear, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Of course, my delivery didn't go by the books, by the way. So, <laughs> Said you and every other mother took it pretty much. So, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, um, it, is, it, it is definitely humbling. But humbling is such a loaded word. And guys don't like humbling. Women might be okay. But it, it is humbling, but not just. I think accepting that you might be mistaken is also a doorway to curiosity. Because if you if you accept that I might be mistaken, children don't know things. And that doesn't stop them from, from anything. It's because they don't know, they go and explore the world. It's because they don't know, they look for answers. And that's a beautiful thing. Just because you might be mistaken doesn't mean that, oh, nothing makes sense, I shouldn't even try. It, uh, and it's super humbling. It, what it means is that if I might be mistaken, that's a motivation for me to keep learning keep asking mm-hmm. questions, keep looking for answers mm-hmm. because I might be mistaken any moment. And I've been mistaken on things that I believed in 10 years ago. And then I've changed that belief. And then I changed again and again and again. 
everything is fluid and the world changes. And sometimes we're mistaken, not because things are wrong, but because they made sense then. You know, we are we live in this cancel culture, which is so uh, entertaining to me <laughs> in a bad yeah. way, entertaining, yeah. that we cancel things which were created in a different um, context. Mm. We say, oh, that's wrong. Yes, from your perspective, from you in 2022. But was it wrong then? Then maybe it was necessary. I, I have issues with Stoics today, but I understand that when they wrote thousands, thousands of years ago, they made sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the thing is that this idea of, of right and wrong is so, and I know it will sound horrible, but it is fluid because mm. the world changes. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes right becomes wrong. Wrong yeah. seldom becomes right, <laughs> although it does, it does. Mm. If you think of the past, gay mm. marriages were considered wrong, mm. right? Mm. Not dying at war was considered wrong. Choosing peace over war was considered meek and, uh, mm. you know, the, the world changes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, sorry, I'm just having this moment <laughs> where I'm realizing... <laughs> I'm speaking to the everyday philosopher <laughs> and then there's context is king <laughs> is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. You can, you know, that's one of the, the, uh, the age old, you know, powers of, of philosophy is context is king. You've always got to put the wisdom into its context from where it's coming from and, and applying that. Taking a bit of a shift in, in, um, in journeys. Um, there's a couple of questions that I guess I've always wanted to sort of ask you. And, you know, some of the things like, and they're, they're probably going to sound a bit cheesy to ask, especially covering some of the depths that we've, we've gone to now, but I think that'd be really useful to tune into. So, you know, you've been, Mind Valley is something that, you know, you, it's been 18 years, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's been, that's, that's quite some time. Like that's longer than a minute. Yeah. Um, I guess I wanted to sort of tune in and I've, I've, you know, been invested in your work for quite some time. I know acceptance is a massive piece for you, but, and so is, you know, the, the tools to happiness, but what are the three biggest lessons that you feel like you've learned over the course of, you know, and I know this is like in life, but you know, what are the three big takeaways? If I was like, cause people often sit down, they ask me this question, what's the biggest thing you've learned from the inspired mm. evolution for me quickly? <laughs> like one of the things is the power of consistency. Like I've been consistently podcasting for a week and things just grow. And that's like the internal work that I've had to do. And secondly, it's like our biggest challenges equal our biggest gifts. That's like some of the stuff that I just keep learning again and again in all the interviews. Are there like some big lessons that you've learned over the last 18 years of my life? Well, I, I could answer the previous question, but if you ask me, like, are there any big lessons? Okay, no, sorry, the three biggest lessons, three biggest lessons, not any big lessons. No, that, that, sounds loaded. <laughs> that sounds loaded. Dude, I, I actually learned a lesson from uh, breaking my phone two years ago. <laughs> I learned lessons from everything. That's that's the idea of everyday life. Of course, of course. You take yeah. life and you learn from it. Yeah. Uh, but I can answer this question three seriously, and I can answer the question less seriously. And I'll start with less seriously. I'll, I'll give it. you... Uh, I'll give you my three most favorite quotes, which uh -huh. I probably refer to the most. One of them is, uh, life is too important to be taken seriously. It, it, Oscar Wilde, I, I love this quote since before I even knew that uh, personal growth was a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, my second favorite quote is actually completely anonymous. My second and third favorite quotes are anonymous from internet. Mm -hmm. So one of them says, 
I'm sorry, it has a bad word. Shit doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> I love it. It really helps in hard moments, mm -hmm. especially emotionally complicated situations. Yeah. And the third one is a little more serious, and I also learned it from internet. There's no author. Uh, it says, happy are those who are on a detour and can still enjoy the scenery. And I think these three quotes can jokingly summarize my philosophy in life. <laughs> yeah. And it's a spontaneous answer. So I, maybe if I apply more thought to it, I'll, I'll give you something better. But in terms hey, of lessons, That was great. What do you mean? I love that. Especially the last one. It's more about the process and the outcome. But anyway, please continue. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of, uh, in terms of uh, lessons, then... Um, it's it's more like the skills which I think are super important. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess number one is awareness. Mm -hmm. I believe everything starts with an awareness, and if you if you practice awareness uh, regularly and for a long time, uh, you don't even need uh, willpower or any kind of goals or motivation to to grow and evolve because awareness is like this radar, like a like a compass or something. You know, it always keeps you alert to what is going on to your life. Mm -hmm. If you uh, go through life with awareness, you you notice when you do wrong things, you notice when you do right things, and then the motivation or willpower become irrelevant mm -hmm. because you you draw motivation from seeing mm -hmm. and being. Mm -hmm aware of what is going on mm -hmm. and i think that it is a much stronger uh, fuel than willpower because willpower actually research shows that willpower is a uh, is is a resource which uh, limited ends. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, another well uh, that, that that's usually what i start with uh, then um yeah, I guess it's really hard to distill my life lessons of all mm. those decades into, in, into three, uh, three life lessons. But I'll give you probably the, this, I, I think, you know, being honest with yourself, authenticity, the famous yeah. word, the popular word, authenticity. I think this is another really great skill. Mm -hmm. It is mm -hmm. not a simple skill. Yeah. It is actually much more complicated than it sounds. Being yourself is so, so hard mm -hmm. <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> mastering yeah. to be yourself but once you unlock that level in the mm -hmm. game game changes because it's so much easier to go through life just being yourself and not trying something mm -hmm. else not trying to be something else it's it's like you just are yourself and you do your best self and that's your best value to the world Mm -hmm. And I think that's that was uh, that was thing which uh, I am right now putting it into words as you mm -hmm. asked. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the third one would be actually uh, kindness. That has been um, the biggest lesson to me. Uh, in my in my book on becoming flossom, which is essentially on uh, on the skill of authenticity, I give three skills which are important for authenticity. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, it's courage, mm -hmm. honesty, and kindness. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't want to go into courage and uh, courage, and we did talk about honesty, but I think honesty has to go hand in hand in kindness, and kindness has to go hand in hand in, with honesty, because mm -hmm. honesty without without kindness is mean, and kindness without honesty is uh, is uh, meek. It's pleasing. Mm. So for me, the third lesson is the discovery of kindness as a quality. We are in a world which is obsessed with so many things, be it love on one spectrum or achievement hustling on the other side of it. Uh, I, I'm surprised right now that I put them on the opposite sides, but mm -hmm. it just came out like this. Mm -hmm. But kindness, kindness is the thing which is undervalued uh, 
on all levels. Mm. It's undervalued as uh, as uh, actually substitute to love where loving is hard. For example, right now when the war is going on in Ukraine, of course it's hard to love your enemy, but you can still treat them with kindness mm. and, and humanity, right? Mm -hmm. Even if they don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. You can treat with kindness anyone, even yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, I also believe that kindness is an important skill for high achievement and success. Mm. <laughs> if you can be kind on yourself and on your mistakes, you will actually have the courage to go out and do crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, I remember there's a small cafe here in Melbourne that I was sitting in, and this sister like elder like elder sister of mine um friend um she just i remember never forget the way she said this you know my friend like she was talking to my wife at the time and we were leaving and her her parting salutation was and be kind to yourself and i remember it wasn't so much what she said it was also the way she said it you know it was like i could see he was someone that had actually worked on that as a body of work sort of offering that as with the wisdom that it had in it. And it was like, you know, and just remember, be kind to yourself, guys. And it was just like, oh, my God. And just the way she said it has left such a lasting impression. And I think, I, I yeah, it, it gives you the opportunity to do crazy shit in the world. I think it's a really beautiful, beautiful ode back to that. Because, yeah, like if you've got that again, you know, I think a lot of what um, you mentioned about acceptance and parenting as well. It's giving you that bedrock from like, I've got this, I'm stable, I'm supported, I'm loved, no matter what, affording that to yourself with kindness is probably like a really great gateway um, to start, you know. Um, yeah, I think that's brilliant. I love I love those three big lessons. Thank you so much. It was like that I asked. Yeah, awareness, authenticity and kindness. And uh, yeah, within authenticity, we've got courage, honesty, and kindness. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate it. I will put a link to um, for people to grab your book. Um, that would be awesome in the in the show notes as well. Um, on the same sort of uh, trajectory, you've been a mother for a minute, and you've <laughs> you've been very open about your journey with Hayden and all of that. Um, three tips for parenting. <laughs> there is so much that Mind Valley has dedicated itself towards, um, especially the work of Dr. Shafali. There's been so much with the, um, there's um, my, uh, Little Humans, the whole, that whole aspect of Mind Valley mm -hmm. as well. Um, there's been so much that you guys have done for not just personal development for the individual, but, you know, actually stepping out and going, you know what, a big part of us as individuals is our parenting journey. And recently having become a parent, um, he's seven, he's eight months now. Um, it's flying, by the way, as <laughs> you know. Um, three biggest lessons for parenting that you would offer up in this space. Uh -huh. So I don't consider myself an expert in parenting, but I yeah. do think that I have spectacularly amazing kids and I'm so proud of them. Mm -hmm. I was uh, doing an interview with someone um, a while ago and they, uh, she, she, it was a lady, she asked me, what's my biggest achievement? And to my huge surprise, and I've done so much in the world, mm -hmm. I actually said my children. And then I was like, I said it, I was like, I'm, I'm actually surprised I'm saying this, but I truly, I truly believe that, uh, yeah, I've, uh, well, of course, it's too early to say, but I am pleased with, with the way they are. Mm -hmm. uh, but my, my lessons, I guess, the, since, you, since you're still in the early stages, you know, parenting evolves as the children grow, obviously, but since you're in the early stages, the most relevant lesson right now is ask for help. 
Mm-hmm. Always ask for help because it can be overwhelming. And, uh, you know, say no to perfectionism. It's not important. I, I, I Of course, I can't be serious about things. I always have to joke, but... <laughs> When I did, uh, I, I remember when my kids were super small yet, I remember I did this training with um, uh, emergency room uh, doctor. Yeah. She did training for new parents and she said, you know, when uh, when we get uh, get calls uh, and kids have, uh, like babies, have broken bones, we actually immediately assume violence because uh, children are pliable. And she said this funny fa- phrase, she said, children's, uh, babies' bones are made of rubber. <laughs> so mm-hmm. for me, that has been, that has been a, a very uh, helpful thing. And, yeah. and, and you you might be shocked if I if I say that, but I, I have this joking uh, saying with my kids. I said I, I tell them, kids, remember you're supposed to get to 18 with all your paired limbs uh, still paired and all your, <laughs> all your organs still intact <laughs> and alive, yeah. Yeah. but also kids made of rubber. So I, I like I like the. Just uh, lighten it up. You know, kids mm-hmm. will have scratches both physically and emotionally, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, so ask for help. Uh, don't be perfectionist with kids. They mm-hmm. they're surprising creatures. They actually care much more about uh, how uh, you feel for them than mm-hmm. what kind of life you create around them. It, mm. it comes back to self-love, you know, think of that st- stereotype, a, a child in a very privileged family that has everything, nannies, uh, cooks, uh, you know, beautiful mansion and whatnot, but mm. doesn't, but lacks the love of parents because parents are too busy making money. That it's a stereotype. so powerful, man, that like, stereotype. they want to know how you My feel. My mom used to work in an orphanage and she, and in, in Europe, orphanage means kids from very, uh, very un- unfortunate uh, families. Usually mm. in Europe, kids end up in orphanage if they if their parents are either ad- addicted or in jail or killed. And she said, she said, you know, her biggest surprise was she said, I can't understand these kids love their parents no matter how crazy they are. Mm. And she said, I just can't understand. And that's the thing. And and that brings me to the last lesson though. Love alone is not enough to raise a child. It is important. Unconditional love is super important, but you really need skills and we don't get the skills. My go-to person has always been uh, Shelly Levko. I love this woman. She's mm-hmm. a psychotherapist and she actually specializes in a child-parent relationship. Every time I have a, a serious problem, we usually turn to her for help. And she's helped me a lot, giving me practical answers, how to, how to, what kind of u- words to use. And I've learned a lot from her in terms of parenting. And sometimes if she's not available, I just, I just Google. Like my kid was addicted to iPad and I Googled and I discovered there is so much about that. Mm. When I started, when my, my first kid was born, I didn't know, should I go bilingual? Should we speak one language? I Googled. There's so much information on that. Mm. Ask for professional help. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Love alone mm-hmm. is not enough to raise a, a, a happy child. Or not happy, actually. Don't raise happy children. <laughs> <laughs> raise yeah, but I get what you're saying have connection with you yeah 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 wow i'm so glad i asked <laughs> that was really powerful as well ask for help give permission to ask for help and um yeah the big takeaway for me is like it's not about the life that you're creating for them it's how you feel for them and that connection that relationship that you two share and then also the the ode to actually the skills and we've had shelly on the podcast before talking about limiting beliefs and how to transcend them so that was a really powerful 
um, powerful conversation as well. So yeah, yeah, thank you for thank you for that. And just the, I love the the permission to just yeah be open to support and being okay with that. Um, permission for acceptance to meet ourselves where we're at as well. And I really appreciate that. On a on a um on this sort of three biggest lessons learned <laughs> train that I'm on now, it seems like I can't get off. Um, you've been through quite the journey recently as well. It's been probably about three years now, but um, oh, three years, maybe <laughs> longer. But also um, with the the conscious uncoupling um that we went through uh, for Mind Valley, relationships, three biggest lessons um in relationships in that space for yourself as well potentially because I know it's given a lot of people um in the mind value ecosystem permission to sort of see where they're best honored for themselves and sort of, you know, given them permission to sort of find their own, own cadence and rhythm in life as well. And I think, um, yeah, I've, I've been curious to sort of, sort of just learn what are the three biggest lessons that you've learned sort of building a family together, but then also consciously taking space to sort of honor yourself in your own, own direction in that. Yeah. Uh, so if I said I'm not an expert in parenting, but at least I uh, did pretty good with, with mm. children, uh, I feel even less of an expert in relationship <laughs> uh, uh, for several reasons. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's, it might be a little too private to go into that. And, and of course, like, of course. I wouldn't mind if we had the whole, uh, uh, you know, a, a whole episode dedicated to that and we could go in depth, mm. but I don't want to, uh, to touch upon things without uh, giving, um, Lightly. you know, the context, context, is context is it, especially, especially that, uh, vision is, uh, is a public figure and he's known. So I feel a little more restricted in expressing, uh, myself in, in the, um, field of relationships. Hmm. We we actually have understanding with vision, but uh, there is a lot of judgment in uh, in in the society. Mainstream, uh, I imagine. Good, but I think good, it's, good and bad judgment. So yeah. that's why I want to. That's why I very seldom comment on on relationships, and and I don't expose my own relationships for that particular reason because I just hmm. um, value value vision's piece. But. Um, I do not know if I'll come with three lessons, but I'll try. The mm. first thing that came to my mind was, you know, the moment when we um, let our, each other free and um, decided that we are going to uh, separate, mm. uh, I had a huge sense of uh, freedom in the, in the idea that vision doesn't owe me anything. Mm. Before it was, but you're my husband, you should. Mm. And that, but you are my husband, but you are my partner. And that's why I expect certain things. That expectation has actually given a lot of um, pain and poison uh, to our relationship. So what I noticed in the very beginning, in the very early stages of, uh, of our separation was that, that, that giving up or letting go or accepting that he doesn't owe me anything, that he's a free human being, that improved a lot of things in our relationship. So many things became easier and stopped bugging me. And uh, now that I am um, going into other relationships, not as serious, but let's say mm. I create new relationships, I carry this lesson with me. This non-demanding, um, expectation oriented uh, yeah, yeah i don't yeah. want expectation say expectations i have no issues with expectations by the way mm. contrary to popular belief because it's expectations are not natural but uh, but uh, what i talk about demanding certain treatment demanding certain behavior mm -hmm. and uh, and yes it doesn't mean i don't have boundaries it's just that if if you are not naturally inclined to treat me in the way 
and I can tell I can tell you how I like to be treated, but if it's something which comes to you through struggle, through through um, you challenge, forcing yourself, yeah. then maybe that's not the right relationship. I do line. not believe. I do not believe another thing which I learned, and it's so funny. It's my mantra on a daily basis. Mm. I don't believe that relationships have to be hard work. Mm. Yes, it is. It, it requires consciousness. It requires awareness. It requires learning. It requires curiosity. It requires uh, evolution. But I refuse to apply hard work to relationships. Mm -hmm. It is not a hard work for me to love my children. Mm. Yes, I sometimes have questions. I'm sometimes puzzled. I sometimes go and ask those questions and look for help. Mm -hmm. But it is not hard work. Mm -hmm. And I don't want my love relationship to be hard work. So my mantra is relationships are easy. Love mm -hmm. is easy. It's simple. I'll quote my favorite <laughs> philosopher, my friend Vina, mm. <laughs> my dear darling friend Vina. Mm. But I'll, I'll, uh, I'll uh, um, quote her, not how she says it. I'll replace life with love. Mm. Love is simple and deep, but we make it shallow and complicated. I think it's simple, and I, I, I'm looking for love. Simple, simple and deep, and yet we make it shallow and complicated. Wow, I love that. And I think uh, I, I will come up with a third one. I had it, but I forgot it. Maybe it wasn't necessary then. Yeah. Oh, yes, it is. It is. It is necessary because it came back to me. Hmm. So um, we talk about conscious and coupling, and we do hmm. talk about that openly. Hmm. But... I want people to understand that it is not so simple and easy. And there mm. are a lot of emotions. And I have had painful emotions after the separation. Mm. I actually call it separation because that's what it is. Mm. Uh, it is a divorce. Uh, and yes, we followed the process of con conscious uncompling, but I had my disappointments, my, um, my, you know, unexpected emotions, things which I didn't know I would feel after, after we had divorced. Mm -hmm. It is not as simple. I still, I have resentment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have, uh, I have uh, regrets. Mm -hmm. And I can't speak for vision because I do not know. Uh, but I want people to understand that even if your intention is to end it properly, is to end, let's say, the sex and, uh, and, and uh, wife and husband part properly, Mm. And, and continue with friendship, with partnership, with parenting. Even if your intention is good, it doesn't mean that you will not be messy and human mm. and occasionally mistaken and occasionally wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, uh, it, it is all there. It's just that we don't talk about that. And on the surface, what people see is that we are still co-parenting. Yeah. We are still friends we're still partners in business and we are friends and it is all true it is all mm. true but i want you to understand that there is a lot of emotion there is pain mm. there is disappointment there is regret behind mm. the surface it is mm -hmm. all there yeah. and it is all human and it is all okay hmm. thank you for bringing it back to that thank you so much for sharing so openly and so vulnerably i really appreciate that Last time I had you on, I'm still on this three biggest train. <laughs> I will get off after this question. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you left me with, ironically or not so ironically, um, the idiot and uh, this 
thank you so much for this. And I still have did yet you, to Did you finish it? No, I'm did still only, no, 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 I'm still only about, uh, where is this mark? Oh, between <laughs> a third and halfway through. Um, I'm still, and it's still character development. It's character development a long way through the story. Yeah. Like it's. That's how life works. <laughs> Touche. Um, I've got Margarita from when we talked. Um, but there was also, yeah, I guess top three fiction books. Cause I, I really started to appreciate, I think last we spoke, um, the drop in was around you know what, like you learn a lot from, um, you learn a lot from nonfiction, but you learn a lot from fiction as well. And that was a massive drop in. And since then, um, you know, I, I recently read, um, cause they turned June into a movie, the Frank Herbert series from the sixties. And I've been reading that recently and whoa, it was like an ode to behavioral psychology in fiction. It was like, it's an amazing, and I'm just like, oh my God, Christina, thank you. Um, so yeah. Lord of the Rings is like a wealth of personal growth ideas and quotes. Yeah. So what are your top three? Is Lord of the Rings one of them? What are your top three sort of? And, no, I can't yeah. give top three because it's uh, fiction is, is for the soul as well as for the mind. And it depends mm. on, the, uh, on, on the mood. Mm -hmm. So if we talk, if we talk in, in terms of personal growth, I do think Idiot uh, and Dostoevsky in general is, is great, but he requires skill. You have to you have to get through this thick, dense uh, layer of of uh, poetry and descriptions and things which you don't get. But mm. he is uh, he's a brilliant philosopher and psycholo uh, psychologist, if you can say so. Not not by education. So I love idiot because it uh, I, and I love actually. God, I don't know how they translate them into English, but I think Karamazov's brother. By the way, it's not actually her favorite book. She just has to say that because she recommended it to me because it appropriately fit me as the idiot. <laughs> No, it's one of my favorite books. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It is one of my favorite books, by the way. Because when you recommend uh, it, I'm like, wait, wait, why is she recommending this to me? Am I the idiot? From <laughs> growth perspective. But, and you know, from personal growth perspective, I would say that uh, actually, yeah, Lord of the Rings is really good. Yeah. It has such a, such a deep description of hero's journey with mm -hmm. all its ups and downs. Uh, and uh, it's applicable in so but many ways. But the books, ways. right? The books, not the, not just, like the movies are great. But that's what I the found. Movie is, it's beautifully done, but the book, of course. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very different, isn't it? Because even just with June recently, because I read the book, because I wanted to watch the movie and I saw a critically acclaimed movie. I wanted to watch it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to read the book first because, again, Harry Potter, I love the books. The movies, yeah, they're great, but they're like, there's nothing on the books, you know? And I know that sounds so mm -hmm. cheesy, but there was all this like, you know, I haven't read the Lord of the Rings uh, books, but watching the movies, I, I love the movies. But with June, they there was like such a dimension left out. Like it was like watching 10% of the book, you know, there was so mm. much substrate that the book had in there yeah. that you were just like, yeah, this is, this is beautiful for the eyes. And I see cinematically it's something really special, but it's, it's man, the book's the book. So Lord of the Rings, the books you're talking, about, to, talking about. I have to make a disclaimer. If you read this kind of books, mm. uh, we, we tend to read them for the story. And the stories are, of course, very exciting. And uh, if you really want to draw lessons from that, you have to read them with that eye. Like, is, is it applicable to real life? Mm. Or, or like what what can i learn from that journey and we often don't don't look at that and actually there is a lot of uh, there are a lot of lessons so if we talk about personal growth i am tempted to say um master and margarita oh yeah uh, it has, 
yeah, again, uh, and and all three are my favorite books, by the way, uh, mm. but not just mm. these. So these are from the uh, from the point of view of personal growth. But uh, of course, uh, being the average life philosopher, I can draw lessons from anything. Yeah. I, I, yeah. take, <laughs> I take this bizarre object, and I'm quite sure I'll, if I, if I play long enough of that, I'll, I'll come up with something. <laughs> but um, <laughs> maybe maybe with uh, maybe uh, you know, shit doesn't have to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I love um, you know I love Jane Austen. I have to say a word for her. Uh, I love Jane Austen, and yeah. she she's smart as well. Don't draw too many lessons from her because mm. she lived in the nineteenth century, and okay. and she's a little too proper. I've I've read too much of her, so I'm I'm a little too reserved and proper for contemporary people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I love Lewis Carroll. Oh my God, he's a mathematician. Read Alice. Read. It's so it's so entertaining, and it's also you you learn a lot. You'll, not not just mathematics and science, but just just the approach to life. You know, to, mm. to look at it differently. I, I love his his curious, ridiculous things, like you know when when she falls through the hole for such a long time, and then they mm. uh, read. If you read Alice in Wonderland try to get a book with uh, footnotes because the oh. explanations to what is going on are crazy fun. Like apparently she falls so long through the uh, whole rabbit hole that she was supposed to hit the, uh, you know, the, the center of the earth or whatnot. I, I don't remember exactly the, the, because I read it a long time ago, yeah. but just the explanation of, uh, from, from the point of view of physics, how ridiculous that fall was. And how <laughs> it's a cool book. And there are a lot of cool books, like fiction is full of, of the new ones, my my little obsession, I had a little obsession with uh, with Sally Rooney, she's a young young novelist, and I love her style of writing, uh, mm -hmm. she's super smart. Actually, from the, from the point of view of understanding relationships, the mm -hmm. girl is a genius, her most famous book is Normal People, but she has two other books which I also swallowed. Mm -hmm. um, and she writes about relationships. It has sex in it. Uh, it's a, she's a contemporary writer. But God, this woman is sharp. Mm. She she highlights the, the all the stupid stuff we do in relationships. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's it's, it's mm -hmm. in a form of fiction. And also, she's a philosophical uh, type of person. So I love to read her random ramblings of the world. And she's a communist, though, <laughs> which mm. is funny. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, being an Irish person, so mm -hmm. there is a lot of beautiful, um, a lot of beautiful fiction out there. Just discover it. It's yeah. it's so worth it. I really so appreciate. It. I really appreciate you know just wasting your time. By the way, my holiday reading is Agatha Christie. She was writing not just crime stories, which are mm. entertaining, just entertaining, but she was writing. She has an interesting, uh, interesting, like piece. It mm. was written under um, Lost in the Spring. It's called Lost in the Spring. It's not crime. Mm. And it has one of the deepest personal growth lessons in this book. Can Lost in your the spring. be undone? Can your Ooh. whole book is dedicated to a woman going through a very painful transformation. It's about self-discovery. It's about denial and self-lying to yourself. And the woman goes through this whole process. She comes to the truth. And it ends with a very like excruciating question: Can she actually turn the wheels back? Um, Would you have expected that from Agatha Christie? No, <laughs> this is I'm telling you, it's it's so Lost beautiful world out there. 
Yeah, beautiful. I'll check that out. One of the, just before I let you go, one of the interesting things that I've got rattling around just precipitating for me is your love for fiction and novels and books and potentially like, you know, obviously looking at Mind Valley at what it is today and, you know, kudos once again. <laughs> I love what it stands for um, in many ways. And one of the things is it's like a publishing house for authors and their courses and personal development content. Is that somewhat stemmed from your interests and passions a little bit? Like, is that a bit serendipitous or is that just the natural direction that it took and it just sort of happens that this is part of your explorations? Because I know you were part of developing the customer journey for quite some time there as well. So, yeah. Well, I, I would say that um, I want people to understand that Mind Valley is Vision's creation. Mm -hmm. So... Sorry for an ugly, ugly analogy, but you know, sometimes mm. there are children who have a mom and a dad, and sometimes mm. there are children who biologically kind of had a dad, but yeah. it's the mom. Yeah. So Vishen is the mom of Mind Valley. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, <laughs> I, I have been sporadically part of its journey. Yeah. Uh, I am a creative person. I'm a writer right now more than anything. So I've mm. uh, stepped back from from day to day running of Mind Valley. I, I am part of Mind Valley. I, I still earn a salary there, but I do think it's a creation. Um, so vision is in, vision's passion, vision's life, vision's values are in the heart of Mind Valley, but it is also the creation of the whole community of the of mm. the people who are customers of our authors. So it's a co-creation. It's bigger than one person. It's bigger than uh, just one mission. So I I take a very humble uh, place in in Mind Valley. Mm. I'm like that daddy who was there biologically, but. Mm. <laughs> Mm. You, you don't know where the daddy now is. <laughs> I, I have my own journey. It's yeah. part of mine, really. But I don't. I don't take. Uh, uh, credit for a lot of things that Mind Valley is, yeah. uh, and my passion for books uh, and for fiction, particularly, comes from the school. I went to a school which had a very, uh, like it was secondary school actually, not mm. even university, where we had literature in three languages. So we studied oh. English, uh, American and British literature in English, Estonian and Estonian, Russian and Russian, and we had so many uh, lessons of literature per week that it's insane. Yes, it sounds like, like it. Yeah. Uh, and and that I guess explains why I went to cultivated. Into fiction. Yeah, <laughs> yes. it just happened. So it wasn't it wasn't a choice, um, a conscious choice. I went to a school like that, and they took a turn into that direction somewhere through the school, and I just went along with that. And I actually ended up in Mind Valley the same way. I married Vision, and he was into personal growth, and he started mm. company, and I. I had nothing else to do because I was unemployed and I'm like, mm. it took my life took a turn there. Mm. So yeah. I've been following the, the river. Mm. Uh, but yes, my, my passion for, for fiction is, is my personal quirk. Yeah, I love that. Oh, Christina, it is always such a pleasure to drop in with you and just, yeah, thank you so much for your insights. I, every time I drop in with you, I just am reminded again and again and again that the more peace that I afford myself, the more at peace I am with myself, the more peace, you know, I will be with the world. You know, this this uh, frequency of acceptance that you just carry so tightly. Um, I, I really, really appreciate and honour that in you. And thank you so much for sharing that with us as well. And thanks for going down the rabbit hole of some of the, the more interesting, nuanced sort of questions today in terms of especially with, you know, your, your heritage and just, you know, how difficult it can be to accept some of the global challenges that we have in the world at the moment. Um, yeah, man, just you always being your open, authentic, vulnerable self. Thank you so much for this conversation today. Really, really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. And it was a pleasure as usual. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. Without you, the Inspired Evolution tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 